Welcome back to the Evidence-Based Rheumatology Podcast, where each week we critically analyze one paper in the medical literature. I'm your host, Mike Putman, and today is episode 17, a case control study of corticosteroids and other drugs that either precipitate or protect from the development of scleroderma renal crisis. This was published in Arthritis and Rheumatism in 1998 by Virginia Steen and Thomas Medsker. I wanted to talk about this study for two reasons. For one, it's an important study that's changed our practice, and for two, it's the kind of study that I'm not sure should. Before I get too far into that, though, let's talk about the study. For background, these authors attempted to address the question of whether or not corticosteroid use is associated with the development of scleroderma renal crisis. Scleroderma renal crisis is one of the most concerning manifestations of disease. Previously, it was the number one cause of death, although since the advent of aggressive use of ACE inhibitors, that's improved, and now we're more worried about the lungs and heart disease. Renal disease in scleroderma is common. At autopsy, about three-quarters of patients will have some kind of renal disease. Scleroderma renal crisis is much less so. Somewhere around 10% of patients will suffer this complication. It tends to occur within the first five years, and it presents with acute renal failure, hypertension, and proteinuria. You also see a lot of microangiopathic hemolytic anemia, so it's always worth checking a smear. Now, predictors of disease included early disease, diffuse cutaneous involvement, rapid skin production, and the RNA polymerase 3 antibody. For some time prior to the study, there have been case reports of patients who received corticosteroids and then went on to develop scleroderma renal crisis. For that reason, the authors attempted to address this question with a case control study. Before I go on, I should let you know that one of my favorite sayings about evidence-based medicine is that there's lies, damn lies, and case control studies. We'll talk about why in a little bit. So this case control study included all patients with systemic sclerosis who were seen at the University of Pittsburgh from January of 1981 to December of 1993. Scleroderma renal crisis was defined as new onset accelerated hypertension and rapidly progressive renal failure. Microangiopathic hemolytic anemia could or could not be a complication, was not required. So cases and controls in this study were closely matched with patients who they felt had a similar likelihood of developing renal crisis. Matching criteria included sex, age, race, disease duration, skin score, CPK levels, and friction rubs. These are all pretty reasonable ways to characterize disease and reasonable things to match on. There's a side note that I'll discuss throughout the trial. They're also studying the effect of D-penicillamine, which I'm sure none of you have used recently, but they controlled for this as well. Since I don't think D-penicillamine really works very well for scleroderma, I'm not terribly concerned about that. They did collect a number of other features, including puffy fingers, joint involvement, GI involvement, lung involvement, heart involvement, etc., but these were not matched. Corticosteroid use was defined as less than 15 mg per day, or greater than or equal to 15 mg per day, and the timing of corticosteroid use was broken into three groups, patients who started the six months prior, patients who had used it continuously, and patients who had used it at any time after the onset of scleroderma, but not during the six months immediately prior. This was a relatively straightforward paper. Stats were all more or less appropriate. So what did they find? Well, they had 110 patients who were cases, who they then matched to 110 controls who also had scleroderma. The vast majority of patients were white, something like 94%. 80% were female. The average age was 52 years old. Skin scores on average were around 28 or 29, which is a pretty aggressive skin score. Something like 50 to 60% of patients had tendon friction rubs, and the CK levels were in the high teens. Overall, this is a relatively sick cohort of scleroderma, 
which is borne out when you look at the other features that were found at the time of the study. Now, when comparing the cases to controls, there were a couple notable differences. There are more patients in the cases group who had puffy fingers or peripheral edema. There was more joint involvement in the controls, and that was actually statistically significantly different. There's a little bit more lung involvement in the controls, and then the mean ESR was a little bit higher in the cases. The RNA polymerase 3 antibody was a little bit higher in the cases than it was in the controls, 9 patients versus 4. All of these numbers, however, were sort of small subsets of the overall sample, and aside from the joint involvement being significantly different in the control group, none of these differences were statistically significant. All right, let's get to the main findings. So regarding new high-dose steroid use, this was statistically associated with new renal crisis. The number of cases that had high-dose steroids and who were matched to controls that didn't was 35. The number of cases who didn't have high-dose steroids matched to controls was 8. Overall, when you do the math on that, it winds up giving you an odds ratio of 4.37. So patients were about four times more likely to have scleroderma real crisis if they'd been started on new high-dose steroids. New low-dose steroids was not significant, but again, it looked like maybe there was a trend towards steroids being associated with scleroderma renal crisis. Continuous-dose steroids, not really any relationship there. And then an analysis of any steroid overall, this was statistically significant. And again, the odds ratio is 3.21, so roughly three times higher risk of scleroderma renal crisis. Now, these are bivariate associations. When they controlled for high-dose steroid use, D-penicillamine, ESR, serum creatinine, and hemoglobin levels, things that you would think would help get at the question of whether or not patients were just getting steroid because they were sick. In the regression analysis, high-dose steroid use was still strongly associated with scleroderma renal crisis. This time, the odds ratio was 8.8. There are some other small analyses they did, but I think this is the major thing you should take from this paper. High-dose steroid use was statistically significantly associated with scleroderma renal crisis. Now, as you know from listening to this podcast, there's always a couple caveats. The main one here is that this was a case control study. There's a lot of different ways to answer questions, and I think case control studies are about the most dangerous one. The problem is that this is not a randomized controlled trial. The patients who were cases were clearly just different than the people who were controls. Ask yourself a simple question. Which kinds of patients with scleroderma are going to get prednisone? The ones that get prednisone are the ones who are sicker. They're the patients who are having rapidly progressive skin disease or perhaps had some new lung involvement or who maybe just felt really, really run down in the couple months preceding the episode of scleroderma renal crisis. This becomes a classic chicken and the egg question. Did steroids cause renal crisis or were patients sicker so they were put on steroids? You can never know from this kind of a study. In the author's defense, they tried to control for that. They did a lot of matching, again, remember, by age, sex, race, duration of disease, and a couple other features. And they did a regression controlling for some of the other factors that they thought could precipitate renal crisis. So they tried to mitigate the effect of these sorts of confounders. Unfortunately, you can never fully remove these risks, and the risk of unmeasured confounding is enormous. No matter how high their odds ratio was and how convincing the data, at the end of the day, I'm never really going to be able to shake the feeling that the association is just being driven by the fact that patients who are doing worse and were going to get scleroderma renal crisis anyway are probably the same patients who physicians are willing to prescribe prednisone to in the six months prior. If this argument isn't strong enough, let me ask you one final question. When was the last time you prescribed D-penicillamine to a patient with scleroderma? I'm willing to bet pretty much no one out there has. In this trial, 
depenicillamine use was statistically significantly associated with less scleroderma renal crisis. Unlike steroids, depenicillamine was then put to a randomized controlled trial where it didn't show any efficacy whatsoever. High-dose steroids and scleroderma have never been tried in an RCT. There have been two or three subsequent cohort studies and case control studies that showed similar findings to this one. All of them demonstrated that steroids were often prescribed before patients developed scleroderma renal crisis. All of them suggested that perhaps there's an association there, and none of them could prove causation. At this point, I don't think an RCT comparing high-dose steroids to none in patients with scleroderma is going to happen. The bottom line is that we're convinced enough that we just don't do this if we can avoid it. That being said, I was at SOTA, or the state-of-the-art meeting today, and one of the presenters in the early morning was discussing how many experts recommend steroids for various manifestations of scleroderma. There's a lot of them, actually. A lot of people will use high-dose steroids in myocarditis. A lot of them will use it in myositis. A lot of people use small doses of steroids for ILD or joint symptoms. And you can't really fault these people as long as they have a good discussion with the patients about this. So in the cases when I've used high-dose steroids on patients with scleroderma, I always sit the patient down and I say, look, there's an association between steroid use and the development of scleroderma renal crisis. There was a patient this very year who had a relatively aggressive myositis. We gave her steroids and she developed scleroderma renal crisis. Part of me always looks back and wonders if that was the right thing to do. But at the same time, the myositis was clearly a big issue for her. And the fact that she was developing myositis and progressive skin disease tells me that maybe she was going to develop scleroderma renal crisis anyway, and nothing we would have done could have helped. At the end of the day, I think this is just a challenging area in rheumatology. It's reasonable, in my opinion, to try to avoid high-dose steroids in patients with scleroderma, not least because it doesn't help as much as it does in a lot of our other diseases. In times when you feel that you need to, such as myositis, an inflammatory cardiomyopathy, perhaps ILD, although the data is more mixed there, I think it's very important that you have a conversation with the patients, emphasizing this risk, just so they know what they're getting into. And then I always tell them to check their blood pressure daily to make sure that if they do develop higher blood pressure, they call us right away and we can try and get on top of it. So that's it for this week. Be sure to join next week when we discuss a new trial in the catastrophic antiphospholipid syndrome. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope you all have a great week.